Well, I'm so glad this morning. This morning, my message uh, is, uh, well, I want to start off, I've been thinking a lot about this in our year for a healing community. And you've been thinking a lot about uh, what makes a healing, what makes a community healing works against a healing community, what are the ingredients of a, of a healing community, you've been thinking a lot about that. And, uh, and, and, and just thinking about it, I remembered something that happened several years ago. Uh, I, I was having a conversation with someone, and this person thinking of leaving Bethel Christian Fellowship. Like, oh, really? Uh, tell me more. What, what's going on? And, and as we talked, this person uh, began to explain to me that uh, they, would, they would try to engage socially with other people, but kind of, it, to them, it felt like no matter what they did, it felt like they, they just felt rejected. They felt excluded. And, and, you know, so we spent some time, we actually spent several sessions kind of talking through that, and as we went through the incidents that this person described, it, it became clear to both of us that uh, it wasn't so much that other people were actually rejecting them, but uh, for this person, this, this person just interpreted things as rejection. And, uh, and so, uh, and, and, and that, you know, I, that for me, that was one case, because I, I, I haven't, that, I'm just sharing one story. There's actually dozens of stories similar to this that I can share with you. Uh, but it reminded me of, of something that I, I've been praying about and, and fighting spiritually for decades, actually, uh, at this church. And, and, and that's something I, I call, and I've heard other people call it this too, I didn't make up this name, but I call it the orphan spirit, or the orphan mentality. And what that is, it's a sneaking suspicion, whether there's evidence or not, it's a sneaking suspicion that I am rejected and I'm rejectable. It's a sneaking suspicion that I'm rejected and that I'm rejectable. And it, it's called, it's well-documented over a long period of time, it's well-documented that orphans, real orphans, often will continue to feel abandoned feel rejected, feel like yesterday's trash because of the original rejection by their own parents, whether it was purposeful rejection or not. You know, it, it might not have been anyone's fault that parents might have died of a disease or war or something, but, but it's well documented that orphans will continue to feel abandoned uh, even when their legal status as orphans has changed. So they may have been adopted into a loving family a family that showers them with care and attention and love, but they often still have this intangible feeling that they are rejected and that they are rejectable. Uh, it's sometimes called a spirit because it's, it's, it's a it's sort of feeling that kind of haunts uh, orphans, uh, sometimes their whole life. Uh, it's also called a mentality because it's sort of a, a lens through which people view the world. They kind of interpret things that happen to them as rejection because just their, their brain is kind of structured that way and so things happen to them and they start uh, interpreting that as rejection and 
for uh, orphans who suffer from this mentality or the spirit, it, it's, it's, a, it's something that impacts everything. It colors everything they do. Um, all of life gets seen through this lens of rejection. Uh, every <clears throat> significant relationship is tinged with a, a, just a little edge of suspicion that, you know, eventually, sometime, if I wait around long enough, it will, I will inevitably be rejected. Do, doesn't, doesn't matter how good the relationship feels right now, if I just wait around long enough, it's inevitable I'm going to get rejected. And, and this, as I said, even happens after being adopted by loving parents. And so some, uh, some orphans, maybe and they've had a, maybe a great upbringing in an adoptive family, sometimes they will still fail to truly bond with others, even when they're adults. Even with their own spouses, they will fail to bond with them. Uh, and, 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 and many of them, it's this very com well documented, they will sometimes preemptively reject other people because they're anticipating rejection themselves. So they're, they're expecting to get rejected, and so they will, they will uh, jump ahead and reject the other person before they get rejected, if that makes sense, kind of preemptive rejection. And, and this spirit or this mentality can motivate uh, uh, many orphans to do all kinds of irrational things, all out of this fear of rejection, Wh whether the fear is real, whether it's imagined. And, and, and again, it's because every relationship is just a rejection waiting to happen. They're just waiting to happen to, for the rejection to happen. And so many orphans will do almost anything to avoid the emotional pain of rejection, even things that many of us would consider irrational. Now, I, I'm bringing this up today because the, 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 the person I had that conversation with, and what this person I had a conversation with was not a biological orphan. Um, and in fact, what I've discovered again and again and again is that there's many people who are not real orphans, but who still suffer from this orphan mentality or this orphan spirit. Uh, and, and you can imagine what kind of problems this creates for a community uh, if, if even a few people in the community have this orphan mentality or this orphan spirit. So, you know, if saying to themselves, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really belong here, or I'm wanted here. And this is against the evidence. So you, you may have people who want you there, but you just don't feel wanted there. Does that make sense? Uh, or if even some people are saying to themselves, I don't feel valued here. Or, you know, my, my contribution, it's pretty underappreciated here. Or if people say, you know, I, I bet people, nobody would probably miss me if I disappeared today, just vanished. Probably nobody would miss me. Uh, or, you know, I can't really be myself here. There's just not enough acceptance. Uh, or, I, you know, I just don't feel relation feel safe in the relationships here. Uh, every time I try to connect with people, I just don't feel safe in these relationships. Or, uh, you know, if others saw the real me, they would reject me. They would reject me, certainly, if they saw the real me. Or here, here's this one. See, just imagine if you've ever heard this. You know, the old timers here, the people who've been around here for a while, yeah, I, I don't, I'm pretty sure they don't really accept me. Just a feeling I get. Or uh, sometimes I hear the other one, oh, you know, newcomers, people who are new here, yeah, they, they don't really accept me around here. They, they don't really acknowledge or appreciate my past contributions. So it's just a feeling I get. 
I, I mean, can real, authentic community ever be possible in that sort of situation? If even a few people in a community have that orphan spirit, uh, how, can there, how can that garden ever grow the fruit of mutual love if some, and especially if all, of that community have that mentality, that orphan spirit? If there's this mutual suspicion floating around that undermines all the efforts to connect or support or trust, uh, you know, if, if all of our sincere attempts to bless and to build others up are greeted with distrustful thoughts and anxieties that just kind of cut off those efforts before they even can bear fruition. A few weeks ago, Pastor Jim, when he was a uh, preacher here, he said he had been discerning as he was praying for Bethel Christian Fellowship. He felt like Bethel Christian Fellowship was under attack by what he called a, a spirit of separation or a spirit of divorce. And that's uh, when spiritual forces are kind of trying to pull us apart from one another instead of letting us connect with one another. And, and I would say that this orphan spirit, this orphan mentality is uh, one of the major inroads to that spirit of separation, that spirit of divorce. Uh, in, in other words, we're, we're often the ones that open the door to the spirit of divorce or the spirit of separation through our own orphan mentality or, or orphan spirit. And, and of course, you know, Satan's aims are very well served, very well furthered. Uh, and in fact, he has a very vested interest in influencing and reinforcing uh, an orphan mentality or an orphan spirit. So it really is, comes as no surprise. I don't think it's a stretch of imagination to say that there's spiritual warfare around this mentality or this spirit. Now, some are, are going to ask at this point, very obvious question, uh, do I have that? Do I carry that around somehow? Do I have that mentality, that lens of rejection where I think I'm rejected and a rejectable person? I don't want you to brush off that question too casually. Don't brush it off too quickly. Because I've discovered that even a, a hint of that can do a great deal of damage. You agree with it. If there's something inside of you you're like, yeah, yeah, that kind of sounds like sometimes I think that. You know, this, this is a spectrum, of course. There's some people who are really strongly influenced by this, and there's others, they just have a little hint of it. Uh, and wherever we might be on that that on that spectrum, it's, it's, it's important to pay attention to. So, you know, do I ever feel that rejection by others is inevitable? That inevitably, uh, every relationship is just a rejection waiting to happen. Do I ever feel like a little suspicion that maybe I actually deserve to be rejected. There's something in me that's so kind of monstrous and twisted and others can see it and, and, and when they see it and they're like, oh, and they kind of turn away. Is there something in me that's making that happen? That, that can be a sign that, that wondering, is there something in me that's turning people away? That can be a sign of that sort of orphan mentality. Do I ever have a gnawing sense of insecurity in my relationships with other people here? 
just a gnawing, just something that's kind of underneath, just, uh, you know, something gnawing away underneath. Uh, and again, based on evidence or not, whether or not there's evidence, do I have that gnawing sense of insecurity? Uh, do I ever feel like it's just a matter of time before I'm rejected? Just wait around and, and you'll see the rejection is going to happen. Do I ever feel the need to protect myself when I get closer? So, so in other words, uh, when we get closer to people, usually we feel, most of the times we feel safer and safer. We trust them more, we discover them to be trustworthy, and they discover us to be trustworthy. But I'm talking about instead of that, when I get closer, am I actually putting my guard up more? because I'm expecting a rejection. Uh, do I ever have a basic instinct to flee from a relationship? Uh, you know, it's, it's, almost, it's almost like beyond words or beyond logic. Just like the relationship, maybe it's going really well, but I, I feel almost claustrophobic in it. I just, I got to escape. I got I to dash out of here. Do I ever have that feeling? Do I ever feel the need to kind of make exit plans from relationships? Like, okay, yeah, this is going well, but I better figure out how to graciously exit this before we get too close. Uh, do I ever daydream about kind of plan B relationships? I I'm certain my plan A relationships are, are not going to work out, so I, I better have some plan B relationships to fall back on. Do I ever have suspicions that other people I'm close to don't really have my best interest in mind? Do I ever have a basic instinct to fight in order to protect myself. You know, again, this is against evidence. There might be no evidence that I should be fighting, but I, I have this impulse to fight because, again, I gotta protect myself from the rejection that's coming. Do I ever need to preemptively reject other people? Or am I ever tempted to preemptively reject other people? Quick, before they get me, I'm gonna get them. <clears throat> now, now, this one will sound kind of weird at first, but do I ever have an automatic suspicion of people in power. And you might ask, well, what does that have to do with an orphan spirit? Because there, there's all kinds of reasons to be suspicious of people in power. We've, all of us have plenty of evidence of people in power who've abused their power. I'm not talking about uh, having legitimate concerns about people who abuse power. I'm talking about, do you have an automatic suspicion of people in power just because they're in power? Does that make sense? Just because they're in power, not, they haven't even done nothing wrong. They may even have a great track record. But I automatically suspect them just because they're in power. And the reason I include that on this list is because people who have power of, over us usually ha have the, the, the rejection of people who have power over us is far more devastating than the people who don't have power over us. You'd probably agree, right? I mean, if, 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 if someone who doesn't have power over me rejects me, that's, there's a certain amount of damage, but if someone who has power over me and they reject me or abuse me or hurt me in any way, uh, of course that's going to have greater damage. So, so do I have an automatic suspicion? It's one, one that's there without evidence, or there's no evidence that it should be there. Um, do I ever respond emotionally out of proportion to unintentional snubs? Now, I'm talking about unintentional snubs. It's, it's understandable if, if somebody gives you an intentional snub. But I've observed over the years, because people come and complain to me now, oh, so-and-so didn't shake my hand. Oh, I can't believe it. And, and, and they kind of come with me feeling, they come to me feeling like someone else in church snubbed them. I, I've discovered over the years that probably 80 to 90% of those snubs are unintentional. 
all right? Somebody was just preoccupied, somebody was distracted, somebody didn't see you and you saw them, okay? All kinds of unintentional snubs. But the question here is, do I ever have an emotional response as if it's an intentional snub? Does that make sense? Like, I, I feel like it doesn't even go through your brain. You don't even think about it first. You have that same anger or outrage or, uh, or pain as, as if they smacked you. Um, uh, and and it's, an un, it's something, a small unintentional snub. Uh, do I ever, is, is it ever true of me that other people can't win my confidence or can't prove their love to me no matter what they do? It doesn't matter how extreme the gesture is, how often the gesture of, of uh, kindness or love is, I still interpret it as, ah, it's just kind of tokenistic, or ah, it's, they're just being patronizing, or eh, I'm just an afterthought. Uh, and maybe most tellingly, do I tend to interpret simple disagreements or reasonable corrections or constructive criticism and, and, and these, are, these are good things in a, in a relationship, by the way. A, a, a relationship that has simple disagreements, reasonable corrections, constructive criticism. That's a relationship. Healthy relationships should have some, uh, a cons- you know, there's some constructive criticism going on. There's some reasonable corrections going on in a healthy relationship. But do I interpret those, even if they're constructive, even if they're reasonable, do I interpret that as just a mask for disrespect dismissal or rejection. In, in other words, I've had an interaction with somebody and they give me a legitimate correction or a legitimate uh, criticism and I walk away from that feeling like, yeah, their words were nice, but oh, I feel like they just punched me in the gut. I feel like they're rejecting me. So next week, I am going to get into God's remedies for this spirit of rejection, this, this orphan spirit, this orphan mentality. Uh, next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into what, what is God's solution for this. Because I don't know about you, the, the, the reason I, 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 this list didn't come from some special diagnostic tool I, I, I found. It came from my own heart. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I have suffered and do suffer at times and still am tempted to, be, to suffer from this orphan spirit, this orphan mentality. It wasn't because of my upbringing. I had great parents. They did right by me. Uh, we have a great relationship. Uh, I, I'm not a biological orphan. And yet, in spite of all that, even against evidence, I still, some of these, these very thoughts and very feelings will pop up in my heart. And I, I've, it's been a long journey. God's been working in me uh, to be free from this. But uh, this list comes from my own heart because I've, I've, I've lived it. I know it. So next week, we're going to get into God's remedy, but I, I want to I leave us with just a few things to tide us over to next week. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, Paul writes, He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with of his will. I want to break that passage down briefly. It, it, first of all, I, uh, I, I should have read, read he adopted us as children, 
because, of course, God isn't a respecter of persons. He's adopting both men and women. And uh, I should have read the word daughter, but I actually intentionally kept the original language son. And the reason I did that is because Paul was surrounded, it was a very sexist culture, and even when women were adopted in those days, women didn't get the full rights of adoption as sons. Only men could get the full adoption as sons. But what Paul is saying here, by using the word sons, Paul is saying even women, who normally, when they're adopted, don't, uh, don't get the same status as, as men, said even women can be adopted as, the, as full sons in Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? I should get an amen for that. Because God is elevating women here in this passage. All right? He is raising the dignity level. Women suffered from an incredible uh, situation. Of, of, of They were second-class, not even citizens, second-class, barely humans in the ancient world that Paul was writing in. And Paul is saying they've been adopted uh, as though they were getting the full rights of sons. So that's why I use that word there. And I want to point out something else. At the end of this verse, it says, Paul, Paul writes that it's in accordance with the pleasure of his will. That means when God adopts us, it's not begrudging. It's not an afterthought. It's not, well, as often happened in the ancient world, a, a, a relative would adopt us because, well, the, 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 the child's parents died and we have to. We're obliged. It's part. It is his pleasure. That means God likes adopting you and me. God enjoys it. When God thinks about adopting us, God looks forward to it with eagerness and joy. It is according to the pleasure of God's will that he adopts us. You need to take that home and dwell on that Especially if, like me, you've suffered from even a hint of the orphan spirit because that is evidence number one that God, that you are not rejected and rejectable. God likes, likes adopting you and me. Thank you. Got some amens. Let's let's get going here, guys. And... It also says in this passage by Paul that God does this through Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you have not been reconciled to God through him, that means that you have not entered into that adoption that God wants to give you. And so no wonder you suffer from the orphan spirit and the orphan mentality. But through Jesus Christ, you and I can enter into the full adoption of the sons of God. We can enter into the full adoption through Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul writes in Galatians, starting in verse 4, he writes this, God sent his son, he's talking about Jesus, God sent his son, that we might receive the full rights or adopt as sons. Because you are sons, and again, 
Shepherd's son, because we're elevating women in, in, in contrast to what the ancient world did. Because you are sons and daughters, God has sent his, the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, that's the ancient word for daddy, who calls out, daddy, father, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you are a son, God has also made you an heir. Confirms that in his letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 15, he writes, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, or the spirit of adoption. And by him we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. You see, when we come to God through Jesus Christ, he gives us the spirit, and just like real orphans who don't always feel their parents' love, we don't always feel the love of God when we first come to him through Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, and the Holy Spirit, in a way that's deeper than even our own self-talk, in a way that's even deeper than our emotions, even the emotions that are welling up against us, oh, I just feel so rejected and I feel, I, I, I feel rejectable. And that, that's what dominates my feelings. The spirit goes even deeper than that and the spirit gives you supernatural power from heaven, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, to cry out, you are my daddy. I am yours. You see, the spirit makes you and me feel the daddiness of God. That's even an English word. I don't know. He makes us feel the daddiness of God. Some of us come from homes where we never felt real daddiness, whether or not we uh, were orphans, biological, physical orphans, whether or not that's true. Many of us uh, never felt the daddiness of our daddy. But the Holy Spirit can go inside of you and make you feel the daddiness of God. And, it, and, and that, that's the work of the Holy Spirit to make you feel the confidence of God's daddiness towards you. If you don't feel confident going to God, it might be because you need his Holy Spirit to turn up the volume inside of you and, and shout, and, and, and say, Abba, Father, so that, that in you the Holy Spirit is crying out to God. And this dispels the orphan spirit. This is what drives away the orphan spirit like, like, uh, like it's smoke. This is what dispels the orphan spirit. Now, if there's any question in your mind, is, this, is, is Pastor Andrew making this up? Is this just that we go away feeling good? Is this a, just a warm, fuzzy feeling message? <clears throat> I, I want to read just a little snippet of an encounter Jesus had with somebody. In Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 40, it says, A leper came to Jesus. Now right there, 
If you lived in the ancient world, especially if you lived in the first century world, and you heard that, somebody read that out loud at at the church service, and you heard that, and you're like, oh, a leper. Uh Uh-oh. This is going to be trouble. A leper wasn't just sick in his or her body. They were. They were that too. A leper was a social outcast because of the, the concern that they would spread the disease, and, and which was a legitimate concern. And so the, the law of Moses had set up all these uh, structures to try to keep lepers separate from the rest of society. And it says here, a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you are willing, now I want to pause there for a second, This was absolutely prohibited for a leper to do, to go up to somebody who didn't have leprosy, close enough for them to hear. Lepers were supposed to be very distant from anybody else and shout, unclean, unclean, so that anyone who was, you know, and avoid them. And instead, this leper violates that. He goes to Jesus, and Jesus doesn't appear bothered, by the way, and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then what happens next gets me every time, which is why I'm choked up right now. Moved with compassion. That's how God feels when you and I come to him in our leprosy, in our social outcastness, Not just what's making our body sick, but what's making us feel like an orphan, making us feel rejected from our our community, from our church, from our families, from the people around us, from our friends. We feel that way. But God is moved with compassion when we come to him. Even when we violate prohibitions to come to him. God is moved with compassion. It's something that he wasn't supposed to do. He did something that violated (laughs) what the norms around this. He stretched out his hand and he touched him. This was probably the first physical touch that this leper had received. The text doesn't tell us how long he'd been a leper, but however long it had been, he hadn't received physical touch. I know some of us are still reeling from having less physical touch during the pandemic than we normally get. Fewer hugs. Imagine going possibly decades with zero physical touch from anyone ever. Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him, and said, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him. And he was cleansed. And this word, I am willing, that's not a begrudging, eh, I'll do it. It's the same word for Jesus wanted to do this. Jesus, just like Paul wrote about in Ephesians, Jesus takes pleasure in reaching out to those of us who have been and who feel rejectable, who feel socially outcast, who feel excluded, he likes reaching out his hand, stretching out his hand, touching us. And with that cleansing, not only was this man's body cleansed, 
this man could now rejoin society. This man was now, instead of being rejected and rejectable, this man was acceptable. This man could be included. This man could become a part of the family. And you can become a part of the family <laughs> no matter how rejected or rejectable you feel, whether you are a, a, a physical, biological orphan, whether you just feel like an orphan, you can be included because God is moved and wants to reach out and touch you. We're going to have the worship team come on up. As we sing these next songs... Do what this leper did. Violate <laughs> the barriers you feel like are between you and God. Stretch out your hand to God. Cry out to him and say, if you're willing, you can make me clean. You can make me acceptable again. And Jesus, moved with compassion, will say, I'm willing. Be cleansed. Let's stretch out to him together. I am a child of God. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure of his will. God sent his son that we might have the full rights as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba. Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son and a daughter. If you are a son or a daughter, God has made you also heir. Heirs of God, sons and daughters of God. You go from here, the full rights, sons and daughters of God. Go from here with the complete access complete access to the throne room of God, the one who has all authority with a word, he can command this, make anything happen, go in his power. Go with his acceptance. Go with the compassion that moves in him, that moves through him, moves, moves through you and me. Go now in the name of the Father and the Son. Amen.